understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Welcome to a special edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, and I'm just sitting outside the Dresden Arena getting ready for Smash in Dresden. It's June 16th, and we have quite the card down in the lineup. All this supports the Dresden Junior Kings, and there's a lot of action to be seen, including the main event of Cody Diener versus Sebastian Suave. There's a tag team. The tag team totals are on the line as... The well machines defend against Daniel Garcia and Kevin Blackwood. In intergender uh, match, there's Jody Threat facing the remix, Kevin Bennett. Super K takes on Ricky James in local talent action. A triple threat match has Aiden Prince taking on Brent Banks and Tyson Dukes. Plus we have Tarek versus Scotty O'Shea. It's a family affair today for the scumbags as some of our attendees are bringing their whole family to celebrate Father's Day. So to all the fathers out there, happy Father's Day from the scumbags of wrestling. My name is The Muscle, Smash Wrestling's hottest free agent. I toss bodies and wheel hotties and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast. Hey guys, I just stepped outside uh, from the intermission at the uh, Dresden Arena. So far, uh, we've seen a lot of action. It started off with The Muscle in an unannounced match, taking on Puff. They uh, went back and forth, and Muscle just couldn't move uh, Puff. And eventually, it became too much for him, and Puff did a splash off the uh, second rope and getting the victory. During the time they were thanking the sponsors for being there, we were actually included in the uh, list of sponsors since we have our uh, section of 20. And of course, we were loud and rowdy and appreciative of our shout out. So it was awesome that we were able to get uh, set up for that. I also heard that uh, later on uh, in the second half, we're going to be uh, the sponsors of the uh, triple threat match with Aiden Prince. Brent Banks and Tyson Dukes. With the dark match out of the way, and before our first match actually uh, happened, out came Cody Diener to welcome everybody and thank everybody for uh, coming to support the uh, 
Smash Wrestlers, and the Dresden Junior Knights. He talked about his match against uh, Sebastian Suave in the main event and promised that by the end of the night, he was going to give Sebastian Suave a DDT to end things. With the crowd energized and ready to go and see more action in the ring, Cody left us, only to be jumped by Sebastian Suave in the aisle. Sebastian continued his assault on Cody and threw him back into the ring, putting him down. The referees had to come out to stop Sebastian from uh, any more damage to Cody when Sebastian grabbed a microphone and demanded to know when was his time for the microphone since Cody had his. After laying in a few more uh, stomps to Diener, Sebastian left the ring proud of his work and saluted the crowd as he left to go back to the dressing room. The refs helped Cody Diener back to his feet and to the back, but before he could go to the back, Diener grabbed the microphone and fired up, stating he definitely will be giving Sebastian Suave a DDT to end the night. Our next match saw local guys Ricky James taking on Super K. Both guys are from the Chatham, Dresden, Tensville area of Ontario and got into the business around the same time. Ricky uh, had a grudge against Super K because Super K had done better in the business than he did and surpassed him. The match spilled out onto the floor at one point, and Super K even hit a Huracarana from the top rope and a 619, ended up scoring the victory over his former friend, Ricky James. At the end, they decided to shake hands and declare victory for Super K. Actually, as I record this, they're in the ring uh, taking photos with all the VIP ticket holders. And families are getting pictures. The card saw Jody Threat against Kevin Bennett in our intergender uh, match of the night. Kevin Bennett came out and wanted to do his uh, rap. And started uh, singing a song that got interrupted when Jody Threat pulled the plug on his microphone. The match started with a cowardly heel tactics from Bennett and went back and forth between the two combatants with some hard-hitting action. In the end, Jody Threat turned out to get the victory and send Kevin Bennett away. Our final match before the intermission featured the tag team champion Swell Oil Machine taking on Pepper Parks' students in Dana Garcia and Kevin Blackwood. This was originally supposed to be kill screen against the well machines, but after the breakup of kill screen at the Northern two weeks earlier, this was now changed into a tag team including Garcia and Blackwood. The well machines were hugely popular with this crowd today in Dresden, and deservedly so, as the champions have quite the uh, charisma as they always do when they come out to uh, see the fans and make their way to the ring. The duo of Red Death and Black Death worked well together as a tag team and have learned exceptionally well from their uh, teacher, Pepper Parks. They did some underhanded tactics to 
try and isolate uh, Pepper from Mike Rollins, but he got caught by uh, referee Jay Smith, allowing the tag to happen. And from there, the well-oiled machines took advantage and came out with the victory at the end, retaining their tag team titles. This concludes the first half of our show. I'm going to head back in and uh, see some of the uh, talent and see what's all going on and hope everybody's enjoying their time here in Dresden. It's definitely a great time. I definitely consider this a great turnout and huge success for the Dresden uh, Kings and their success of this charity event. Second half of this card still uh, has Tarek taking on Scotty O'Shea. A triple threat match involving Aiden Prince, Brent Banks, and Tyson Dukes. And the main event with Cody Deaner going after Sebastian Suave. During the second half, I've been invited to meet up with Alan Taylor, the one of the producers of Smash Wrestling, and discuss the goings-on in independent wrestling and specifically Smash Wrestling. That's to come up later on in this broadcast. Yo, this is Tarek. You're listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Punch, kick, chop, done. Okay, guys, I'm back. The event's all over, and I'm getting ready to head back home to London. Uh, I can't say I caught too much of uh, the second half of the show as I was uh, doing the interview with Alan Taylor. But from what I did see, I did uh, catch uh, from up top. The uh, match versus uh, Tarek and Scotty O'Shea. And uh, as veterans of uh, Smash Wrestling, they uh, definitely brought what they had, as always, and uh, did a lot of punch, kick, and chop, as Tarek likes to do, against the underhanded uh, hacker, Scotty O'Shea. And uh, in the end... It uh, took some underhanded uh, tactics by O'Shea, who threatened to hit uh, Tarek with the uh, keyboard, but got stopped by the referee. So as he tossed the uh, keyboard to the referee to get out of the ring, he low-blowed Tarek, almost a Shinsuke Nakamura-type deal, and rolled up Tarek for the victory. At this point, uh, that's when I stepped out of the arena to have my conversation with Alan. But during that time, the next match was their triple threat match, and it was sponsored by the Scumbags of Wrestling. And it featured Aiden Prince versus Brent Banks versus Tyson Dukes. This was a slow Tyson's birthday weekend, and, well, he didn't uh, disappoint as he pulled out the victory. During that match, there was uh, an awkward uh, moment uh, with people chanting, but being awkward with uh, Prince stacked on top of Banks and in a double submission move put on by Tyson Dukes. Uh, the match took its cell uh, phone to the floor and uh, they went flying out right beside the kids that joined us for the scumbags uh, group. I forgot to mention uh, about those kids. They were uh, kids of both Jake and uh, Nathan's, and they were at ringside during the uh, whole show and even uh, got into an altercation with Daniel Garcia and uh, Kevin Blackwood as they left the ring at the end of their uh, match 
after uh, being defeated by the well-oiled machines. Garcia decided to try and help himself to some popcorn, and he got the whole bucket dumped on him afterwards. And Garcia and Blackwood didn't take too kindly to the kids uh, retaliating on them, but they uh, soon backed off and headed back to the dressing room. My interview with Alan uh, finished just in time for me to return to the arena to see the finish to Cody Diener versus Sebastian Suave. At that point, when I returned to the arena, Suave was on top of uh, Diener, but he ended up firing back, and as promised, he delivered his DDT to get the victory and send Suave crawling back to the dressing room. At the end of the match, Suave and elated Cody Diener then grabbed the microphone from the ring announcer and gave another impassioned speech to the audience who spent their hard-earned money to be there and support the Dresden Junior uh, Kings. He thanked everybody for their enthusiasm and showing up and even uh, teased that there might be a chance for Smash Wrestling to return to the city of uh, Dresden. Then I ended with more autograph signings from the talent at their uh, tables and even uh, doing pictures with the fans before everyone went home satisfied from a great evening of Smash Wrestling. On behalf of the Scumbags Wrestling, we'd love to uh, send a great shout-out to referee Jay Smith, who ended up organizing this event for the Dresden Junior Kings and arranging our uh, ticket packages, which we purchased for ringside with 20 uh, VIP seats. Everybody enjoyed themselves, and it looks like a huge success for the fundraiser efforts that it was intended to be. I'd also like to thank Alan Taylor for the half-hour conversation we uh, just conducted and the insights of behind the scenes of Smash Wrestling and the independent wrestling scene in general. I hope everybody enjoys this interview. There's a lot of uh, great uh, conversation, and hopefully uh, we get some good feedback. Please drop us a line at our uh, Facebook page, Scumbags of Wrestling, or on Twitter at Scumbags Canada. Thanks for tuning in. And happy birthday to Tyson Dukes, whose birthday is tomorrow, June 19th. Are you looking to get your own Scumbags Wrestling t-shirt or the Scumbags Podcast t-shirt? Well, look no further than our friends over at Twisted Tees at TwistedTeesMerch.com. Since their company launched in 2006, they've become one of the top screen printers known for their large colorful high detailed prints. Their theory behind what they decide to print is simple. It's about keeping it real and taking you back to your early years, browsing through endless movies at your local video store, only to be sucked in by the very intriguing cover art. Even if the movie itself wasn't so great, it's that original cover that will always remain locked inside your head. Over the years, they've become even more creative with introducing limited edition designs. With the amazing feedback 
they received from their warriors and zombies hoodies, as well as their button-up work shirts. They will bring you even more one-of-a-kind designs. All their products are screen-printed and embroidered directly in their shop. They don't use any outside sources to produce their goods, nor do they use cheap iron-ons. They guarantee heads will turn when you wear Twisted Tees to your next outing. Twisted Tees also provides printing for Kill Effect, Shockstock, Monsters of Schlock, Shadow uh, Windbrook, and Vagrancy Films. So look out for Twisted Tees online, once again, at TwistedTeesMerch.com and get your own Scumbags of Wrestling t-shirt for just $25. Hey, it's Jody Thread, and you're listening to Scumbags Podcast. Hey, guys, we're in Dresden, Ontario, taking in the live uh, Smash event in support of the Dresden uh, Junior Kings. I'm here with Alan Taylor, one of the producers of uh, Smash Wrestling. How are you today? I'm good. I'm tired, but good. Yeah, uh, you were at Tyson Dukes' uh, birthday party uh, I, yesterday. I was, I was. So that was that's actually an early night for me. <laughs> so that wasn't too bad. Um, it's uh, we've had a couple of crazy weeks on the road, and uh, after next week, we finally have a couple of weeks off before we're back on tour again. Awesome. Um, can you share with the listeners uh, what your role is uh, with Smash? Yeah. So my official title is uh, a producer, like. Uh, I essentially, I control like the look of Smash Wrestling. So um, the graphics, the posters, I make those. I manage the website whenever I can get time to to get on there. Um, But I also control how we light our shows, how we film our shows, how we edit our shows uh, from the most basic, you know, like what does our set design look like, which is pretty straightforward, but that's what we're going for, all the way through to what does our TV episode look like, what's the intro, what's the title card, what does a little nameplate look like when that pops up. So everything that you see um, in like video, photographic, anything like that, my job is to dictate and control the look of it and what it looks like. Awesome, yeah. Um, I think the other day the uh, Twitch account uh, went live, and we were seeing how actually the match with uh, Matt Riddle and Mia Yim was yeah. put together. Yeah, I was hoping that'd be a little bit more interesting, where I could kind of like talk through some of the stuff that I was doing and kind of like be a little bit more interactive. But the audio wasn't working. I figured, you know what? Like, I'm just gonna put this out there anyway, and if people want to watch it, they can watch it. Um, it's, uh, I think, it's an interesting process, and hopefully, like where I get to a point where I make a cut and then I change my mind and go back and you can kind of see like why I'm making certain decisions. I hope that that kind of came through. And honestly, I thought it might be interesting, you know, like a peek behind the curtain. Yeah, it was kind of interesting for myself. Like I used to do security for many years at the malls and seeing that uh, footage, the way you uh, had to click between the different cameras and come up with an actual uh, file. So you're used to to kind of like seeing like that grid of uh, images and like having to like, almost like uh, chameleon eyes, like watch like three, four different things at once, right? Yeah, and then put it together as one video to be able to, in my case, it was yeah. to produce for the police. In your case, it's uh, produced for uh, Fight Network. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fun. I, I enjoy doing it. And the crazy thing is that 
not just myself, but everyone that we work with here, is uh, like we're all self-taught. Like I didn't go to school for any of this. Um, I learned how to edit videos. I learned how to light stuff. Like we've got a good team. Like the way that we um, do lighting, key lighting, promos. Uh, you know, we had a couple of guys that knew what they were doing with that, and they've passed the knowledge on. Um, I watched YouTube videos to learn how to program entrance lighting, that kind of thing. Like, everything is uh, self-taught. I think a lot of people forget that, like, we've come a long way for who we are, but at the end of the day, Smash Wrestling is a couple of friends that are self-funded, putting on shows that they want to see, and if we want to do something, we got to do it ourselves, you know? Like, we can't say, okay, well, let's drop $10,000 and have a guy come in and do this for us. It's like, no, we have to... Uh, go out there, like get the equipment, and slowly but surely, hopefully, get better and better. Yeah, didn't with it being homegrown, you save on the budget, and being able to do it uh, you, a lot. You think so, but when you look at my credit card, <laughs> you, might not, you might not agree. Yeah. So, what was your inspiration to get into, uh, or become a wrestling fan, and then get into Smash? Um, I got a weird story. So. I was a wrestling fan on off when I was a kid, went to college, met another wrestling fan, so I kind of got back into it through that. Um, and then I trained in Scotland um, at the, it's called the SWA, Scottish Wrestling Association. Um, I trained, I wrestled for a, almost two years, but like realistically like a year and a half of like actually be active. Wasn't very good, wasn't very good at all. Uh, tweaked my knee. Decided to take some time off and like, that's when I met my now wife um, and kind of got out of the business at that point. Really didn't worry too much about it. I was really into like the training side of things. So I love talking to guys about like the training, how they got into it, like what they struggled with. Cause I, I know what it's like to go through that process. When I came to Canada, um, I wanted to visit wrestling shows. I wanted to hang out you know, go as a fan. And I went to a Smash Wrestling show and I approached uh, one of the guys and said, I, I always joked that it's because I was carrying a table. Like, I, the guy literally said, hey, can you grab the end of the table? I was like, well, yes, because I want to talk to you. And I said, look, I can, I can do web design. I can make a website for you. I can do X, Y, and Z. I'm happy to do that. Um, and then like, we wanted to be able to play a video and show people what happened at the last show. And so, okay, well, let me work out how we do that. Let me see what we need to do. And I just took more and more roles on. And as we kind of grew and got bigger and we had like a proper production, it came time to be say, okay, well, what is our role? What are we doing here? And that's really it. Um, I have a crazy schedule because like I work full time as all of us do. And then I put about eight hours a day into Smash Wrestling on top of my regular job, more on the weekends when we do stuff like this, right? Um, but I just took more and more of a, a, a role on, like more and more like responsibility. So that's kind of like how it all came to, together. It's a, it's a weird role, it's a weird path, but. Yeah. So you basically just stumbled upon it and yeah. how, how a lot of people say you pay your dues away, whether it's setting up the ring or right. doing that. Exactly. You, you were able to provide some technical uh, advice I, and, and knowledge don't get me that wrong, they were like looking I've, for. I've loaded the ring in and out of the truck, I've set it up, like I've done the heavy lifting, like I've gone through that process too, like none of us are immune to that. But, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I just kind of found myself more and more like, well, I'd like to bring more lights in and do this. Well, 
that means I gonna have to like take the time to set them up as well. I got a really good team. Like, don't get me wrong. Like the camera people are amazing when it comes to following direction, and everyone's getting better all the time. And I'm training people to set up, manage, run lighting and stuff like that. So if I can't make a show, the show still goes on. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just like the responsibilities kind of snowballs. But at the same time, if we didn't take more and more of that stuff on, and we kind of stayed stagnant. Is it what we want to be doing with ourselves on a, on a weekend? Like, or do we want to put the best goddamn show on we can, right? Exactly. So what do you think with the indie scene, how it's growing? Like you have obviously what Smash has done by going to other cities, including yeah. tonight in Dresden. But you have other independent uh, companies that are growing too. And nobody ever expected uh, somebody like Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks to yeah. sell out 10,000 seats. Is that possible in Ontario? No, not in Ontario. Um, you could, at least not on an independent level. Um, I think with uh, a major card... See, I don't even know if with a major card, New Japan could, because Ring of Honor has been bringing New Japan talent for so long to the area. It's not special anymore. You know what I mean? Mm. Like... Ring of Honor, their last War of the World show, they had a whole bunch of New Japan talent on there as well. And they only come to Toronto once, maybe twice a year. And that's all they do in Canada. So I was talking to people there from London, Montreal, that traveled in. They, they did a great draw. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm envious of the draw. They could have had more people in there. They could have gone to a bigger building. The reason they didn't is because it's not going to sell. Um, and it's usually the same people traveling to those yeah, super shows. And yeah, and that's exactly it. Like, a lot of people I know that, that travel, like, they got or were trying to get tickets to All In. The thing with All In is um, it's the perfect storm where they've literally been promoting the idea for over a year, teasing it, getting people more and more excited, trickling information out. They've been building storylines and building their personas and their characters through their YouTube show. There are people that are fans of being the elite that don't watch wrestling. Like, that's how big their audience is at this point. Um, unless you were to do, like, I mean, even All In 2, um, you know, is it special the second time? I don't know. I, I think that it would be because I think, like I said, they've built a unique audience. But I don't see, like, a, an independent show in Ontario doing that kind of number. Mm -hmm. I, it's just the market that we're in. We're a very saturated market. Every single weekend, there's seven, eight different shows on. A lot of them on the same day, including the same towns. We're bringing the same name draws in between the, the group of us, you know what I mean? When you have 25, 30 companies in the GTA alone, you know, um, everyone's kind of like uh, fighting amongst themselves. I'd like to, to see that change, but I don't see it changing realistically because... If I say, well, I'm going to run this date so nobody else run it, no one's going to listen to me. Yeah, exactly. Right? It was kind of uh, interesting in that uh, regards because during the Northern uh, Tournament, uh, which probably won't end up airing uh, this uh, part that I'm about to say, yeah, but well. John Greed, exactly. <laughs> but John Greed took time to thank the uh, yeah. people who were in attendance for choosing to be at Smash because there was other choices and it's... Yeah, the people and especially when shows. there's a, especially like one of one of the big companies, they decide knowing what's happening in the area that they want to run that date as well. We can't stop them, you know. Um, but the the people that came out were loud. They were supportive. We were pleased with the the number that we had, considering the circumstances. 
Um, you know, John Greed, Tyson Dukes uh, both had stuff to say about it, but, you know, the wrestlers, they have their own unique issues with stuff like that as well. And, you know, they can air their grievances. Um, I don't really have, like, a lot to say about that because, like I said, the, the issues that they have and the problems that they brought forward, they're issues that the wrestlers have, exactly. you know, the company. I don't have an issue with a company saying you can or can't work somewhere because we don't put that restriction on our, our people. And if they're available to work for us and we want to work with them, awesome. If they're not available or they're in a position where they can't work with us, I can work with someone else if I need to. Uh, you know, each company has to make a decision how they're going to run, how they're going to operate, and fans are going to vote with their wallet as to what they think about that particular decision. I will say that we've been in positions where um, key people for certain events haven't been available after they've been promoted or advertised because they've got a legitimately better opportunity. We have never asked someone not to take that opportunity. Instead, we celebrate it, we encourage them to take it, and we tell our fans straight up, this guy's got an awesome opportunity. Support him, be happy for that. Here's what we're going to do to make it up to you. I'd rather be in that situation than tell someone, if you take that opportunity and you don't come to my show, I'm not going to work with you again. But again, that's the way that we choose to handle it. I'm not saying that that's the correct way or the wrong way, but uh, you know, certain wrestlers, like they take ultimatums like that personally and they're going to add their grievances. When John Greed says he's going to take the microphone into the match, you don't tell him no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and same with Tyson Dukes. Of course. So, speaking of Tyson Dukes, he did uh, once had the uh, Spanish Wrestling Championship. Yep. And it came out actually this past Monday that the man who took the title off him, uh, the Beast King Frankie TM, was no longer going to be working with Smash right. Wrestling. Yeah. So, what... <clears throat> is going on with that uh, title as it's currently vacant. It is currently vacant. Um, I would say we're probably 90% towards a decision of what we're doing. Um, a couple of people have all kind of chipped in what we think we should be doing, and then we argue and fight amongst ourselves. <laughs> um, we're pretty close to announcing what that's going to be, but we want to be 100% sure that this is the path that we're going to take. Um, it's a bump in the road and it's unfortunate because, you know, he's, you know, Frankie is a part of a major storyline and, um, even if you take the, the storyline and the, the group of malice away from the situation, he's a smash wrestling champion. You never want to be in a situation where once again, our championship has been vacated. But when you look at the reasons that the issues that we've had with champions holding that belt in the past and putting ourselves in positions where we have to get it off them or we have to make a change. It's because we're swinging for the fences. We have WWE contracted Johnny Gargano. And we have to find a way to get the belt off him with the limited dates that we can get him. We've had, um, you know, Mark Haskins had a, an unfortunate injury and we had to make a change in like how we manage that. I would rather that we're swinging for the fences and putting our belts on people like this than playing it safe and saying, well, you know, Tyson's been fine as a champion for the past year. Let's just stick it, you know, let's just keep it with Tyson. Um, it worked out great being able to come to places like Dresden and have your world champion on that stage is, is awesome. But at the same time, like, 
we come to a market like this, we know our fans are going to get their money's worth. They're going to be happy, whether there's a world championship on the line or not, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I know when it was uh, first announced, we uh, talked about it on Facebook, uh, some of the guys in the group, and we were uh, throwing out names like uh, Brent Banks, who always gets cheered as future champ. Yeah. I even threw out the idea that maybe uh, some underdogs, which... Daniel Garcia may have right. taken a little bit of offense to it, but I didn't mean it in that uh, sense because uh, both Daniel Garcia and Kevin well, Blackwood are those type of uh, yeah. freshman rookies that I mean, with Daniel Garcia, it's, uh, it's, it's that fire and that fight when someone says something like that that makes him so good, right? Exactly. It's the fact that he won't, he won't, he's not willing to accept the, the title of underdog. Um, yeah, it's... There's a lot of different possibilities. All I can really say is like, um, you know, Tyson Dukes won the Northern Tournament, which was supposed to give him a shot at the, the championship. We're not going to hand the belt to Tyson, um, but uh, I'm sure whatever we come up with, like, we kind of have to like uh, honor that because my biggest concern is I don't want us to have put this effort into creating this tournament, something that we can build and grow and then kind of hit the reset button on all of that and make it meaningless, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to mention, because with uh, Tyson winning the Northern Tournament, but you also have uh, Super uh, Showdown 6 coming up uh, later this summer, so maybe yeah. uh, the plan eventually culminates there right. with whatever is announced and you're able to honor the uh, winning of Tyson Dukes of the Northern and uh, seek whoever uh, possibility is also potentially challenging for that belt, not yeah. just Tyson Dukes. It's, yeah, it's tough. Like, Super Shonen is supposed to be where, like, a lot of our stories culminate. And as a result, like, a lot of people that we were, that we've been talking about are tied up in, in a story. You know what I mean? And you don't want to... You don't want to ruin a second story because one's not worked out, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of stuff like uh, potential on the table. Like I said, uh, there's really no consensus at this point. Once we have something, we will announce it. We'll make it known, and we'll make it in. You know, we'll make sure that people know this is a big deal to us. But uh, like at this point, like, I couldn't tell you because I don't know where we're gonna go. Yeah. With it. There's a lot of uh, decisions to be uh, made and discussed. But over the uh, past while, Smash has seen a lot of growth. Last year, you moved into the Phoenix in Toronto. Yep. And then into the Music Hall in London, which actually coincidentally was the birthplace of the Scumbags of Wrestling. Okay. Where uh, the Show Us What You Got event had our uh, friend Duker get into the ring and do the improv against the wrestling nerds, Trevor. Right. And then we grew from there. So it's almost an anniversary for both Smash and for the Scumbags. Awesome. And it's honestly, it's, uh, it's, it's groups like that and the, uh, and the wrestling nerds and the people that like rally their friends and bring a group out like that's, it's groups like that that have helped us to grow in a place like London as well, you know, uh, get the word out there because we can't be in London every other month. I wish we could because I love that building. I love the fans, but um, it, it's these people like keeping like the talks going, people interested and invested and bringing friends out like it helps us grow. Like it's been a, a huge, huge part of like our growth in that area. Yeah, and you've been able to grow into Sarnia, and next weekend you're going to Kitchener. So where do you see it going next? In 
Well, we just announced that uh, something's coming up in Jordan. So Yeah, I did see that. That's <laughs> so huge. So that's a little bit further. <laughs> um, we've been, yeah, we're lucky because we've been so far. Like we did Montreal last fall for TV. Um, we've done college country tours. We've been to colleges for, for shows there. We've done um, uh, a show. We did a couple of shows in uh, Callaway uh, a couple of years ago, which was a lot of fun. Um, the, the challenge is always, especially when we go to like a new place, is having like somebody there that's local that can kind of manage. There's a lot that goes on day to day when it comes to setting up a show like this. Um, if we don't have someone local that's like crossing the T's, dotting the I's, it just can't be done because we can't manage from, you know, the other side of the province or what have you. Yeah, um, the show is lucked out with having Jay Smith uh, doing the Dresden setup and yeah, and it's like I said, he lives in the area, so he he manages a lot of things. Like, we need to get his contract signed. We need to get this sorted out. It's like he can physically go and take care of it. Whereas if we're trying to chase people up on the phone, it's not happening. You know, we uh, we had a couple of shows early on where we learned that the hard way. If you don't have someone that you can trust in the area. It's not going to happen. It falls apart. So yeah, last uh, in two, sorry, two weeks ago, a uh, couple of us took a trip to Phoenix to see uh, the Northern Tournament, and we did the uh, live podcast yep. while we uh, drove. Uh, yeah, we did our live predictions, and then in intermissions, uh, did some uh, pop-ins. Did you catch any of it? I did. I listened to the the whole thing, and I listened to the. I forget what the radio show is, but where you, you called in and you, you put over the show as well. But yeah, I did. Um, Sunday night's main event. Yes, yeah. Um, I do, like, I've got a couple of friends, my wife as well, like, um, when something kind of goes up and it involves Smash Wrestling, they give me a heads up. I don't have a lot of time to listen to stuff, but when I do, like, if people are talking about Smash, I want to know what they're saying, I want to know what they liked, what they didn't like. Um, I, I want to kind of like uh, try and keep my ear to the ground as much as I can. The rest of our team does as well. So yeah, yeah, we know we listened. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was kind of cool, like listening like retroactively. Obviously, like you know, we knew like what our, our goal for the the show was. Um, it was amusing listening to you talk to Blackwood and explain how you you got this guy. He's picked. He's going through this, and he's going to beat this guy. And he's going to get to the final. And Kevin Blackwood been like, yeah, yeah, man, it's going to be a good match. <laughs> and then got pulled by Scotty. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you've got to uh, you got to put the story up there. Although to Scotty's credit, that was a hell of a match as well. Oh, for sure. And I, I think at this point we do need to bring uh, Andrew Everett back and uh, put that match on. I was hugely surprised by how the intergender matches. It wasn't, hey, that's a woman, that's a guy. Yeah. You know, shouldn't be. They were going all out, and especially the matches that Matt Riddle had with Mia Yim, and then yep. later on with Kimberly, and you're just like, wow, jaw dropped. And yeah. then you have Kingdom doing this moonsault. You don't expect that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, like we've got some incredibly talented people. Uh, I think a testament to that is, uh, you know. People talking about, you know, the intergender matches on that show. Um, we had five girls over the two shows wrestling, and they were all wrestling men. Uh, there was no female match set aside. And I know that there are some people, some fans that we have that aren't comfortable with intergender matches, and I respect that. But at the end of the day, uh, this is a performance. Uh, the women are incredibly talented, and 
we want to give them a platform to show just what they can do. And if that means that they're they're fighting a, a guy and they're going to go balls to the wall together, then so be it. Yeah. And like after the first intermission, uh, just four matches into the, of the 16 for that day, we were totally blown away and wondered how it was going to keep on going for 12 more matches. And to our well, not really surprised, it just kept on building every time. So what is it like to uh, do two shows in one night? Uh, tiring. I actually flew in from Montreal that morning. I got the, the first flight out of Montreal because I was at a wedding the day before. Um, we had to do our entire, like a full setup that we do for TV with less, like less time than we normally have to, to set up. Um, we had to prep two shows worth of content. Um, we had to make a couple of adjustments on the fly, which we have to do every show. And uh, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Um, the the fact that so many of our fans had put the faith in us to buy tickets to both shows, so we didn't have to literally didn't have to tell anyone you've got to leave, and then we'll let you back in. We were able to kind of say, let's just open the doors and let a few more people in. That was kind of cool. That helped us a lot. Um, it was a long night. It was tiring. And at the end of it, like you guys, are like man, that was tough. That was a lot of wrestling, but it was a lot of fun. We're there for another two hours pulling all this down, packing into a truck. We got to eat, and then, like, you know, there are guys going back to, to storage at 3, 4 in the morning to unload the, the truck. Uh, like, it was incredibly difficult. We try to avoid doing two shows in one day any time that we can. But when the shows were as good as that, like, how do yeah. you say no? It definitely made it special. <laughs> how and, do you say no? Like, I took the trip from London, and we left early and got there, and got home at one o'clock but it was worth it for the whole thing and next month uh smash wrestling is set to face off against ccw in uh, sarnia london and toronto what can we expect uh that might be different than a regular smash show um they are going to be smash shows um a couple of people have expressed you know i'm not comfortable with like hardcore wrestling these are smash wrestling shows um there may be a hardcore match per show, um, but even then, like we're not doing death matches. It's not our style. It's not what we do. There are some people that are upset that they don't think CZW are going to put on a bloodbath. To them, I would remind them that this is a Smash Wrestling show. Uh, we've actually worked with CZW before, and um, I, I would say that's probably a good indication of uh, the type of uh, show you can expect. We're bringing in some incredibly talented young people. Um, they may not be as world-renowned as some of the names that we try and bring in sometimes, but I will say, like, these people are the future. They're ready to break out. We've worked with Trey Miguel before. We know how good Myron Reed is. Brandon Kirk is going to be a name in the Northeast very, very soon. Um, the, uh, the tag team champions, the rep, we actually worked with them a couple of years ago with our first show. They were called uh, the Dub Boys at the time. So we've literally seen these guys, like, go from rookies to, like, you know, multi-year uh, guys holding the titles. They're being trusted with that at the moment. We've got MJF coming in who, um, he, you know, the guy who can, like, just talk, talk, talk. He's great when it comes to talking. So we're providing something a little bit different than, like, a typical uh, kind of Smash Wrestling show, some whole bunch of whole new faces. But at the same time, it's, uh, it's going to be... Uh, the the same kind of like action and, and, and entertainment that you expect to see from a smash wrestling show.
Excellent. Um, so I put it out there uh, to see if anybody had a question for you. And uh, this one came from Chris Toplack, who also does a uh, podcast in London called Ask the Top. And okay. he was wondering, is there any opportunity for an individual with a professional broadcasting background and a deep passion for pro wrestling to be a part of uh, your show in any capacity and learn the ropes? So okay. I'm just going to cut that to, in general, how, is, how would somebody get involved yeah. with Smash? So typically what we ask people to do is uh, when they reach out to us like by email or something is send a res literally send a resume. Um, and we will have a, a phone interview and if uh, we think we can work with you, we will invite you to come to a show and, and help out. No matter what you're good at, what you can do, when you start out, you're paying your dues. You're helping to build the ring. You're helping to uh, manage the crowd. You're helping to you know, grab things, take them back and forth. Um, everyone has to do that. And then if you have the, the work ethic, because here's the thing, a lot of people want to do stuff with us, especially when we do something like cool or big or newsworthy, and then they drop off the face of the earth, so they don't want to put the time in. So we kind of have to test people a little bit. If that all goes well, the next step for us is uh, we'll sit down with you and we'll talk about, okay, specifically, what are your strengths? What can you bring to the table? What can you help us do? Do you know how to uh, film? Can we trust you in that capacity? And then when we're on a show like we are today, this is where someone gets an opportunity to do something new, to try something, where we can pull someone off their regular role and then coach them and train them. Um, some people have taken a shine to what they want to do and, and they've worked out in awesome ways. Um, and then other people have gotten their opportunity and they've earned their opportunity to do what they want to do and try it out. And it's kind of bombed and they go, well, you know what? That's not my, my strong suit, but I can do other stuff too. And they still, they work with us still and, and they're a part of our team and we love them for it. Um, a lot of people want to get involved in what we're doing and I get it it's I love it I wouldn't be here if I didn't but it's incredibly difficult and a lot of people don't realize like the work that really is involved in it which is why we kind of not put them through the gauntlet but we definitely uh test people's commitment when they say that they want to work with us and we kind of have to you know um but yeah like if you're interested uh there is a contact us form on the website or you can send an email to smash at smash-wrestling.com uh, one of our guys probably Scott will get in touch with you we'll ask you for a resume and we'll go from there awesome well thanks for your time how can uh, people reach out to you beyond what you just uh, mentioned <laughs> um, and find I don't smash think that wrestling. I'm that interesting so I'm not going to plug myself but the company is smash wrestling we're at smash-wrestling.com uh, we are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, someone said Snapchat, probably Tinder. Um, at, just at Smash Wrestling. Like, whatever the, the URL is, just put Smash Wrestling on the end. We're pretty easy to find. We're on the Fight Network every Thursday at uh, 10 p.m. following Impact. Uh, we're on Facebook Live every Thursday at 11 p.m. with uh, our post show. Um, we do stuff all the time whenever we can grab a time to jump on Twitch or hang out or just do something on Twitter. We're always kind of like, we're easily approachable. 
Uh, if anyone has any questions, they can jump on there. If they want to see our back catalog or they want to kind of uh, catch stuff on demand, we have an on-demand service. That's just ondemand.smash-wrestling.com. Um, and that's it. I think that's everything. Yeah, I think so. There's going to be someone that's <laughs> mad at me that I didn't mention something, you know? Yeah. Check out the muscle. Probably muscle would be <laughs> upset, you know, the way he is. Uh, so, yeah, uh, thanks a lot for your time. We'll see you at uh, Smash. I appreciate you taking for the time. For CCW and Comic Con. Awesome. Thank you, man. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brent Money Banks, and you are listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Scumbags is money. I'd like to take this moment to thank you all for uh, listening to this special episode of Smash Wrestling in Dresden. I'd like to thank uh, all the people who took sh- time to do shoutouts during the event and my time with Alan Taylor for the interview. I'll be back later on this week with review of everything WWE and other news from around the wrestling world. Thanks again and be sure to check us out on Facebook with the Scumbags Wrestling page, on Twitter at Scumbags Canada, and on the internet at scumbags.ca. We're also available on Stitcher and now Google Podcasts, coming to more formats in the near future. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.